Okay, good evening everyone. This is Daishi Han Miller and James is in the background. Uh, episode, what is this? Episode 130, something like that, right? Just trucking right along. So anyway, uh, again, talking about warriorship, uh, warrior thinking, um, I guess because it's 2021 in the Western world, I guess I should issue a trigger warning. Um, I will probably say things to piss people off tonight. So, uh, it is what it is. So anyway, um, Let's go ahead and officially get things started. I guess that's my intro, right? We'll go ahead and get things started and come back and, um, I don't know, look at living and thinking like a warrior. So, the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. And that's the real truth. Anyway, all right, so a little bit of news before we uh, jump into the topic for this episode. Uh, beginning, not sure if I'm going to be able to make it happen for next episode, but definitely beginning the episode after that. So what, episode 132, uh, I'm going to be uh, mixing in some interviews, right, with um, uh, some senior students that I had that have been working uh, through things for a long time, uh, some other friends that uh, were peers coming up through the ranks that, you know, whether we're doing exactly the same thing, whatever, um, I, I think it'd make great conversation. So uh, we'll be going at, going ahead and exploring uh, these topics uh, together, right? So uh, just ironing out some details, and we're going to make that happen. So this is going to take on a little bit more of a, of a feel like it did uh, in the early uh, in the early days of Kuden when uh, my guy Eric White, uh, who was a radio, I used to call him a radio god, right? Eric uh, was a radio personality at a local radio station and then became the manager of that whole station, still on the air and all that kind of stuff, right? But what we would do, uh, the original iteration of, of Kuden was uh, what you would be getting when we released it uh, every week or a couple of times a month or whatever. Uh, one, there wasn't a consistent schedule like there is now, but we would go into the radio station on Sunday when everything was being automated, right? So it was just, you know, you thought you were listening to the DJ but or live, but you were listening to... Uh, uh, recording, but we'd go in and record one to three episodes. Um, and so, but the episodes, if you remember those old days, and if you don't, you can go to online ninjaacademy.com forward slash Kuden podcast. Is that right? James, James is nodding. So Kuden podcast, all one string, right? And all the episodes are there. Or of course you can find, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, the early ones probably aren't on the podcast, uh, directories that are they oh he's nodding so all right hoof one twice whatever okay so anyway um yeah you can go to apple podcast or stitcher radio or god all these things right google play um and get caught up a lot of people are i mean they send me emails on a regular basis that they're they've uh, they're binge watching it or and some of my best students some of my best students actually uh in the distance learning program scheduled their um their discovery call, right, where we uh, would discuss their training and whatever, and then, you know, if they were interested in, in programs, um, they literally watch or listen to all 
of the previous episodes before setting up the call request, right? Which is why these things are out there anyway, right? I mean, if, if people, you know, don't, they don't know me or they make certain assumptions or whatever, then the teacher-student relationship is going to be kind of odd, right? As opposed to, uh, you know, here's, here's what you're getting, right? Like James knows I don't cover anything differently here. I'm not any different when I'm teaching these topics to you guys than I am when I'm on uh, with my uh, local or distance uh, training students at the highest level, right? Well, I take that back. I am different, right? Um, they have accountability things that they have to uh, keep up with, right? You guys can do whatever you want, right? So, uh, but anyway, so, um, yeah, so we're going we're gonna to get the format, but not every episode, but we're going to get a lot of these things in place where it's going to be more of a conversation, um, going to be discussing things and, and whatnot. So uh, my good friend Will uh, from a bunch of years ago, right? Uh, so uh, he's uh, we're gonna iron things out. If Will's on, um, uh, he'll tell me if I've uh, overstepped something or whatever. But um, we're probably looking at two episodes from now. So episode 132, um, it'll be Will and I discussing these things. So um, anyway, so that's it, right? Uh, that, that's the big thing, uh, and we're just gonna keep moving forward, right? So uh, we'll get back to that. Uh, like in the early days, like I said, with Eric, we would go in and, and the, the big thing, the big criteria that I had, just like when I'm having these discussions, right? The big criteria that I had when we started the podcast was to make sure that it didn't just sound like a talking head kind of thing. Like, uh, these are the things that you have to do. And, you know, you, you guys have all listened to these things, right? This, just this dry conversation. And yes, they're teaching you something. Yes, they're giving you something. Um, but what I really wanted that I think we did well in the early days was to make it sound like a morning drive time radio talk show, right? So if somebody did something boneheaded, right, whether it was in the news or the way they're, they're training supposedly for self-defense or whatever, shit, we'd laugh at them, right? I mean, we didn't name names or anything like that. Um, got pretty close. A couple of people have decided they were going to be like Bujinkan police or whatever, right? Um, and knock something we were doing. Um, I didn't just ad hoc, right? Just laugh at them and go, oh, they're crazy or whatever. No, um, I don't do that, right? What I do is I pull up historical things or everyday things that they're probably missing in their little bubble, right? So, uh, like when, when I renamed Kuden, right? Kuden Radio. Oh my God, whatever, right? Uh, you know, here we are, you know, using uh, media and all that kind of stuff. And then what I did was I posted a whole bunch of videos uh, and uh, interviews and lectures and all that kind of stuff that had some sense I gave on public Japanese television or uh, the fact that he was an actor in. Uh, he was promoting Nijutsu, but he was an actor in Japanese television shows, right? Those kind of things, right? Of course, what I was met with was silence and crickets because what are they going to say? Well, uh, well, uh, whatever, right? So I don't have time for shit like that. But um, there, was, there was a day when I probably would not have done – well, I most likely would not have done that, right? Because we're all taught – right? To be agreeable, right? And we'll talk about two sides to warrior ship, right? Two sides to a warrior 
creating results in the world, but they both come out of a sense, or actually not a sense, um, just a state, right, of being dangerous. Okay. Well, how is that possible, right? How is that? How is it possible that we're going to be successful in society and we're going to be successful in the battlefield, but you're dangerous in both contexts? Okay. Well, I just demonstrated it with one story, and I'll get back to that. Um, let me tell you a story about uh, just this one just kind of pops off, off the top of the head. Um, had a student. He's no longer with us because um, he turned into an ass, and he did that in Japan as well. And on the way back, he was put on like a probation thing, right? Don't come back to the dojo for a couple of weeks. I need time to decompress. You need time to think about our teacher-student relationship. And um, we'll see what happens after that. Okay. Well, then I get a phone call from another Daishihan on the other side of the country. Found out that a day or two after we got back, he was already calling other Daishihan and telling them how bad of a person I was, right? How terrible I was, and he didn't do anything wrong, um, and trying to get them to take him on as a student. Okay. Have a nice day. So, But then after he called them like 15 times, they sent me a message and said, never mind. Um, that answered my question. All right. So, But when he was still in good graces, um, he, uh, when he came to class, his wife would come along and she would sit and watch and all that, right? And, um, he was a minister. So for good or bad, it doesn't really matter, right? So just to put things into context, minister's wife is watching class, okay? No big deal. So she got to know me, all that kind of stuff, right? And, you know, she used to always tell me, you know, how much of a loving person I was, how compassionate, you know, love you, that kind of thing, right? And so there was this class, and I don't remember what the technique was or whatever, but I did this thing, right? And I turned around, and she had this look of horror on her face. And I thought, you know, she was older and whatnot, medical distress, whatever. And I said, oh, my God, are you all right? And she said, how can you be such a loving, caring, compassionate person and be that demonic? And I leaned in and I smiled and I said, balance, right? Um, but, I, you know, in the next second I told a joke. And she, said, I, she was having a hard time in her head reconciling the difference between two apparent extremes, Right? And I can see where that might come from because in my earlier days in the martial arts, right, the seniors, once or twice I met the guy, the grandmaster, whatever, right, always walking around with their chest puffed out, right, everybody had to be like, you know, on their on their toes, and right, there was this sense of like respectful fear <laughs> kind of going on, right, um, in a lot of these schools, right. Um, it was not unheard of that when you first joined within your first class or two, you got the floor wiped with you, right? So that they could make a point about who was in charge. And, you know, coming from the background and the violence and stuff that I, I lived through, 
Um, okay. I guess if this is the way the game is played, right? And then I get involved in this martial art and all the teachers, including Hatsumi Sensei, they're telling jokes, they're laughing. Yes, there's times when they're, they're teaching and they're being very serious. And then in the next minute, they'll crack a joke and whatever, right? There's no pretense. There's no, you know, walking around like I'm the shit, you know, whatever, right? And that was really confusing to me because were these tough guys or not, right? And so I experienced a lot of these little conundrums, right? I mean, how can both of these things be true at the same time? Well, that question of itself, and in and of itself comes from dualistic thinking, right? That if something is appears to be one way, then it can't be this other thing. When the reality is a warrior, right? There's two sides, right? Right? And there's a lot of analogies in both our art and just across the general martial arts world, especially Japanese, which is, you know, where most of my in-depth study um, has been. But there's this idea of the, the warrior walking the sword's edge, right? So on one side, right, there's death and mayhem and, you know, all these battlefield skills and stuff like that, right? On the other side, there's like love and compassion and and knowledge and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? And the idea is that the warrior walks this this fine line, this edge, capable of stepping off on either side based on what's necessary in the moment, based on context, right? But always walks this line, right? Because if we stay on one side, right, we're all loving and compassionate and all that kind of stuff, but we're, it's questionable, right? There's no proof, at least, right? That we can handle the monsters and the demons should they cross that line that we know exist on the other side. And if you walk on the other side, chest puffed out, da, 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 right? Okay. Not only do we make our tar- ourselves a target for all the other tough guy wannabes or, or monsters, right? That are now going to look at you as a target because they need to be on the top of the mountain, right? But just like a lot of these folks, right, not, not so easy to operate in everyday life, right? So here's the thing, right? Her, part of her conundrum was, you know, talk about my kids and whatever, right? And, like, you know, give my, my, my kid a hug, right? And, and how that just feels so amazing, right, so great. Right. But in a different context, I'm willing to open somebody up and pull a shit ton of wires out. Okay. And then and be able to do that coldly. And then be able to, you know, whatever. Right. So for a lot of folks, this is really, really difficult. Even martial artists. Right. It's really difficult to find that line. Right. Um just here in the past, what, James, a week or two, um, I posted a, a video, right, whole slew of videos, just in case you didn't, you didn't uh, see the, the most recent ones, right? So I'm posting YouTube shorts, I'm posting on TikTok and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. So some of them are, you know, some of them are long like this. We're cutting up some of these things so they're more easily digestible for people that, you know, have short attention spans. And then we're putting up a whole bunch of YouTube shorts for people that definitely have 
you know, short attention spans. But anyway, this guy out of nowhere, this 20-something tough guy wannabe, right? And maybe he is, right? Maybe he's won a bunch of fights and all that. I don't care, right? I'm talking self-defense. I'm teaching people self-defense. I'm not out there challenging anybody. I'm not asserting my dominance. I'm not whatever, right? And here comes this shithead, right? Just in his worst English spelling, whatever, right? Just starts throwing out, I'll come and kick your ass. And I leave those people alone. They make great stories for lessons like this, okay? So here's my thing. How weak or afraid or defensive or how much of a how much lack does a person have to have to throw out a bunch of threats to assert their own dominance and here's the thing here's the thing that warriors keep in mind without really knowing what the other person's abilities are they just assume right I've won some fights, been in fights, I feel like a tough guy, and this guy's old. It's old, fat, bald, I can take him, right? I probably should have written this down because I went and looked it up earlier. There's actually a name for this thing, Dunninger or something, syndrome or whatever, right? And we all have it to some extent, and it's one of those ego things we have to keep in check, where we have knowledge in a certain area, right? I've, I've experienced this because... Um, uh, several of my girlfriends and or wives worked in the med in the healthcare thing, right? So this is a huge thing for doctors. And the higher they go and the more specialized they are, right, the smarter they are, oh, right? So they confuse the fact that they're a genius, right, in this one realm, right? I know tons of stuff over here. So egoistically, they start allowing themselves to believe that they know everything about everything, right? So same thing, right? This guy, 20-something, I went and looked for his videos, right? He's got some survivalist shit up or some, I don't know, panning for gold or whatever. I didn't look at the dates of the videos because often people get started with that because they have a need to be an expert. And then when people don't start following them because he only had like two followers, right? Um, six or eight videos, whatever. It's not about that, right? But they don't get traction fast enough or not being seen as an expert fast enough or nobody sees my value or whatever. And then what they do is they quit. They roll over, go belly up, or they go hide in a corner, tell themselves whatever fucking story they want to tell themselves and start believing that delusion as well. Right. So anyway, see, so here's this guy, right? I don't need to comment to him. I don't need to inflame him, whatever, right? And he doesn't understand, right? He's talking about fighting. He's talking about squaring off with somebody and him kicking my ass. And if he doesn't do that, then he'll be jumping me, right? But we're a ninja, okay? What that means is we rearrange the odds in our favor. So if I really did think that Jack Wagon was coming, right? Unless he's driving a tank into my house. It's not going to be a fair fight. Okay? Everybody's looking for a fair fight because everybody wants to be a fighter. It's a contest. They need to win. 
right? I'm a survivalist, right? There's a threat. There's a danger. How do I make it through that? And sometimes you don't walk into it. You go around it, right? More often than not, you go around it. But it's not about... This is not about just that kind of danger, right? It's not. Maybe it is. There's experience, right? There's not just knowledge, right? How many people go through a martial arts school? How many people go through self-defense programs, right? And learn a bunch of things. But run away from conflict on a regular basis. Or they try to be amiable. Right? They try to be amenable. They try to be, you know, liked. Okay? I'm not saying it's not important to be liked. It's absolutely important to be liked. Okay? But the strength in a ninja's network is in the network. The more friends you have, the less enemies you have. The more friends you have, the more people you have that have your back should somebody else decide they're going to do something. Right? The lone wolf is a myth. It, make, it makes a great story. It makes a great movie, right? But there's this thing, right? And the older you get, you might start realizing that the more susceptible you are to illness, the slower you start to get, whatever, be nice to know that there's other people that love you and want to take care of you and want to be around for you, um, even if you have to do like a do-over. Right. Because if you find that the people that were supposed to have your back don't. Right. Because there's uber self-serving. Go make a new network. Right. Or nurture the one you have. Right. Outside of whoever those people are that need to go live in a different cave. Right. But start to nurture that and grow that. Right. One of the first lessons I learned as a white belt was all ninja have a network that they can call on regardless of the problem or issue they have. So some people in my network I could call on because I, well, like when I fell and broke my back, right? I know that they've got my family's back. They're keeping an eye on on things, right, whatever, so that because I can at the moment physically, they step up and do that. I've got other ones that are accountants, lawyers, mechanics, IT people, uh, white, help, white hat hackers, if you know what that is, right? Got the same skills as, as black hat ha- uh, hackers, but black hat hackers are the ones that, like, keep putting viruses and shit on your computer, right? White hat hackers are the ones that hack the other hackers, the bad hackers, right, and go find them and expose them to the world, right? So who has the better, better skills? But anyway, got all these people, doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, truck drivers, all that in my network. So if I need something, whether it's advice or help or whatever, sometimes it just takes a text, an email, or a phone call. But that's about purposefully, intentionally nurturing a network. That's power. So I just, I was doing some, uh, some research on this idea of power and the alpha, male or female, doesn't really matter, right? And I came across this interesting study that actually, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, 
but he was studying chimpanzees because he was doing this study on the alpha male, right? And so again, this is in the chimp world, not the human world, right? So the basic premise of the hypothesis was, you know, the biggest, meanest, ugliest, whatever, right, is going to end up head of the clan because they've got all the strength and power, right? If you mess with them, they'll just snap you in half and leave you to whatever, right? So, um, but that's not what the study ended up showing, even for chimps, right? Alphas like that, right? Caveman alphas, right? They can hold power for a little while. But what, that, what ends up happening are smart, ingenious, cooperative, lesser ones. Well, wait until you're not looking and then destroy it. It's, what, it's what's happened to all the despots and, you know, friggin' monsters that have come up and ruled countries and whatnot. Eventually, they just, they die of ugly, bloody death, right? Because they can't watch everything, right? No matter how tough they think they are, no matter how much strength and might they think they have. What the study also showed was that sometimes a smaller chimp can end up actually becoming the alpha, See, this runs, like, counterintuitively to most people. They can become the alpha, but they become the alpha because of their connections, sometimes because of their compassion, sometimes because of their cooperativeness, right? And so now they've got more people that want to watch their back and want to help them help the group, right? That if a threat moves in that might be able to take out the smaller leader, there's an uprising of other ones in the clan or in the group or whatever you call it, chimpanzee group or whatever, right, um, to fight alongside the leader, the so-called alpha, right, um, to make sure that everybody's okay. But what they also found is that the more cooperative the leader, the more helpful the leader, the more engaging the leader, right, the more intelligent the leader, right, um, the less backstabbing was going on, the less there would be of other ones trying to take over, right? Um, it's just it's very, very counterintuitive, right? So near the beginning of this, I said that um, a warrior is a dangerous person, right? Um, they have an edge of disagreeability. Like, you know, if you come at one with your idea of how things should be and it doesn't make any sense to them or they have a plan and it's working well and things are growing and all that, they'll look at you and go, yeah, no, not interested. But, but, yeah, no, not interested. Okay? But everybody thinks it's the other way, right? They just think that the person is just being, you know, it's their way or the highway or like, you know, when you're working for a manager, right? Managers managing people and telling them what to do and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, what kind of a job must they have? They sit in their office all day and fill out paperwork and, or they got their legs kicked back on a desk, smoking a cigar or whatever. <coughs> Excuse me. Heartburn. Um, but do you know what it takes to be able to shoulder that much, uh, resent, resentment? 
sometimes hatred, whatever, right? If you've ever managed people, you know what I'm talking about, right? Everybody wants a say, but nobody wants the responsibility. So not only are we shouldering all the resentment and the shit that, you know, because nobody wants to be told what to do, right? They want the job, but nobody wants the responsibility either. I I once talked to a guy, uh, he was long since retired, but he was bragging one day about, you know, and he had really good work ethic, but his work ethic was so good that the company that he worked for came to him multiple times to move into management, right? And he turned them down every time. And I said, why would you do that? I mean, they're recognizing leadership potential. He said, are you kidding me? I didn't want to be one of them. Okay. Because he had spent his entire life talking among his peer group, us against them, right? That when it came time to get a raise, get a new position, you know, be in a position to fix things that he and his peer group had been bitching and complaining about for a long time, could bring himself to do it because he didn't want to be disliked by his peer group because then he'd be one of them, not his peer group, one of the bad guys, right? But when people are in higher positions, right, it's easy to think we know what's going on, but what ends up happening is these people have personality traits that allow them to take on challenges, conflict, yep, hatred, all those kind of things that most people don't want to do because most people just want to be liked, no matter how, how much they think that, right? They don't want to have to make those hard decisions. They don't want to be hated for making a bad choice, right? right? This goes back to when I was in the military, right? Um, I remember um, a leader once, uh, you know, putting me into a position of, of authority, and this was – I was a military policeman, and so most people have heard the stories about me dealing with the outside war, you know, outside of the, the, the unit that I was in. But within the unit, you still have things that need to be done. And so, you know, charge of people and all that kind of stuff. Right. So I actually got what was called a lateral uh, promotion. So if, you, if anybody's ever been in the Army or military and you understand Army ranks. Right. I went from a specialist. Uh, we call it a spec four. Right. So it's an E4. Right. Lower enlisted. But from a spec four, which is lower enlisted, right, worker B, right, lateral promotion to a corporal, okay, so corporal, right, right under a sergeant, but it's actually the first stage of being a non-commissioned officer, okay, Um, same rank, same pay grade, responsibility, way different, okay, and I remember, you know, saying, are you sure? And he said, I wouldn't have done it. You wouldn't have been promoted if we weren't sure. And then he looked at me and said, don't fuck it up. Okay? Because now I was going to make, be making decisions that would affect other people, right? Where other people were making decisions before, and I was hoping that they'd make the right decision. And of course, I'm still hoping that my higher-ups are making those decisions, right? But now I have to make decisions that are going to affect lives, Right. If we go into a combat zone, which we did, right, go into a combat zone, the decisions I make or the decisions that that I make based on, you know, the 
directives I'm given and, and who I'm assigning to what, right? Everybody's depending on me making the right decisions all the time, right? Make a wrong decision. Yeah, on one side, my higher-ups are going to bust my balls. But on the other side, people could get beaten, broken, or killed, right? So when people like to talk about things in a direction, right, my first question is, have you ever worked that job? It's kind of like the jag wagons that, that post on the videos. Oh, that technique works great in the dojo. Don't work a damn on the street. And what's your baseline for that statement? How many times have you tried it? How many times was it successful? How many times did it fail? Or are we just making an assumption because you already assumed yourself self-defense God? Um, you know, my comment is the things that I'm sharing with people, a lot of these things I've actually done multiple times against really bad people, right? And to be told that it wouldn't work on the street makes me smile. Because either that, I was freaking dreaming, right? Because um, it's, you know, anyway. So, but again, power seems to be like when somebody's in authority, uh, somebody, you know, has that physical brawn and all that. I mean, I'm five, six and change, right? Added some some weight over the years. Um, but back in the day, right, as a military policeman, I'm five, six, like I said, five, six and change. The minimum height for a military policeman in the United States Army, at least then, was five, eight. So I didn't meet those requirements. I got in on a waiver because they were short, <laughs> pun intended. They were, they were short on military police, right? So I got in that way. But I was always by a long shot, the shortest guy in the unit, right? So did I have something to prove? Yeah. I had to prove that I belonged there, and I had to prove that I had everybody else's back just as much as they had mine, and they didn't have to look after the little guy, right? That my partner didn't always have to back me up when we had to deal with a bad situation, Okay. So, um, sorry, somebody's calling through and obviously not listening to Kudan. Um, James, this is coming across, right? Right? I mean, it's okay. Fair enough. Um, so anyway, um, you know, so if if I was on patrol with uh, somebody and uh, with one of my partners, who again always taller than me, right? So the shortest partner I would have ever had was, give or take, about 5'8", right? Never shorter, right? So two inches taller than me, all the way up to my the tallest partner I ever had was 6'5". Okay? Doesn't that look kind of odd with him and I walking beside each other down the street, right? It's like Pooh and Piglet walking along or Kanga and, and Piglet or whatever, right? So anyway... Piglet, I just made a cop joke. Anyway, so, um, uh, you know, somebody would say, hey, look, look, the little guy, right? Needs a bodyguard. A partner. And this actually happened with Ramsey, the, the really, really tall guy. He'd look at me and smile and he'd go, you want to take care of this? Um, I'm going to go get a drink and just leave me to handle it, right? Because he knew that he didn't need to 
watch my back and you need to look over my shoulder. Okay. So the experiences that I got to have here, I said that, right? The experiences I ended up having to deal with or the, that doesn't scream to me of any kind of in charge, toughness, warrior mind or whatever. I hear people moping and bitching about, oh, you hear what happened to like, no. And based on the tone of your voice, I don't want to. Okay. So, but the experiences that I got a chance to, to go through. Yeah. Kind of produced a level of confidence, but again, that's only one side of power. It's only one side of this being dangerous. Okay. Because how often am I going to have to use my physical skills in today's world? I mean, this is not 13th, 14th century Japan, China, Korea, whatever, right? When there was civil war all the time, right? I'm going to go from one battle to another to another, maybe a couple of weeks, couple of months, whatever, off, right? It's not that kind of world, right? And I understand some of you might live in places that are like that, but you have the freedom to move, right? Whether you have the willingness is something completely different, right? But what else makes somebody dangerous? Okay. Intellect, knowledge, the eighth gate on the ninja and the Hachimon. Okay. When somebody wants to debate something, okay. there's certain things that I'm not even going to have a discussion about. Religion and politics are two of them. Not having a discussion because I'm not here to convert you. And I'm still going to vote my conscience. So, right, you can speak your mind. And if it's something I didn't know, I'll go look it up and I'll do some really good research. Right. Not using cognitive bias, by the way. Right. Or I'm only going to look up the things that I believe already just to reinforce my point of view. Right? But if it is not something I'm going to debate, right, I'm going to come at, come at it with cold, hard facts. Right? Not opinions. Okay? And if it is an opinion, I'm going to say, look, this is my opinion. It's my point of view. But if it's a cold hard fact, that's what's coming out. So what makes someone dangerous in that realm is people can't manipulate them. Right? People feel very, manipulative people feel very uneasy around them, right? So they're problematic, right? And it's not that the body gets destroyed or the brain gets destroyed or whatever, right? But the position, the standing, right? The BS that's being put out there to try to manipulate and get one's own way, right? So when you run into somebody that has a good knowledge base, Right. It's an uphill climb. Right. Again, just like this, you know, these jack wagons that, you know, assume that because they won a couple of fights. Right. That they're going to be able to beat everybody's ass. Right. They're. They're making an, an error in judgment because their assumption is that everybody that they fight or everybody that they attack is going to be like all the ones from the past. You know, that's 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 like saying that, you know, just because this thing that somebody might be talking about, right? I'll give you, for instance, 
um, somebody I knew in the past, right? We shared rings, right? Um, get out of the shower in the morning and while they're doing their hair and whatever at the mirror, right? They would stand with their toes almost vertical to the ground. Have you ever some, done some of these hard style karate uh, styles, right? They'll stand in this very rigid position, right? Uh, hands in fist out in front of them, right? And the toes are up, right? And the balls of their feet are very pronounced, right? But it's up like that, right? And so she would stand like that, and I would say, you got to be careful with that because you're locking your knees back, and you're risking weakening things, and at some point, they're just going to let go. And without fail, she would always say, I've been doing this my entire life. If it hasn't happened yet, it's not going to happen. You can hear the famous last words coming out, right? One night we were out dancing with friends. In between two songs, somebody wanted to leave the dance floor. She took a step backwards and blew her anterior cruciate ligament right off the bone. And then swore to God, I didn't do anything. Like, nobody tripped over me. or It wasn't that. It wasn't that step. That was the step that your body went, that's it, that's enough, right? You can only lock that thing back so long and so often before, right? But it's the same thing. It doesn't matter what's gone on in the past, right? Another thing that I was taught very early on, right? Will probably remembers lessons like this too, right? Every situation, every attacker is unique, right? You can't treat that person or make assumptions that they're going to do the same thing everybody else did, even if everybody else did the same thing, which they didn't, right? Or that you're in the same emotional state, health state, whatever, right? So power is in understanding, right? Power is in connections. Power is in knowledge. Yes, power is in physical skills. But how long, or physical well-being, but how long will that hold out, right? We'd had this conversation 30 years ago. I would have acknowledged it, but wouldn't have had 30 years of experience with breaking my body, getting illnesses and things like that, that, you know, the universe kind of reaches out and goes, hey, um, the old folks that you didn't listen to before? Where you just like to parrot the uh, lessons? Yeah, here's reality. Okay? So, we're talking about this warrior thinking, right? And how we're going to produce success. Right? Two realms. Okay? Two sides to things. Right? We'll get, we'll get back to doing these, but let's do this. Let's take a little bit of a break. Um, not really a break break. I'll just stop talking for a few minutes. Um, James, let's fire you up. Uh, anybody on with questions, comments, anything like that at this point? That'd be a good time to ask. That'd be a good time to bring things up. Um, whatever. Only thing right now is good evening from Lee. Oh, hey Lee. And That's he it? just says no questions so far. Thank you. All right, no worries. 
Okay. All right. So uh, I know, I think we did a, I don't want to say no, because we've done so many different topics here. Um, James will have to reinforce, uh, just give me a nod or a head shaker. Well, he's on there. You can see his tiny little head. Right. <laughs> um, did we do a past episode on the tiger and dragon realms? I think we did. Like the the Japanese phrase is koteki ryoda, right? The tiger mm-hmm. below, the dragon above. Maybe. Either way, well, we'll just we'll. I'm not going to rehash things, but um, in our lineages, right? There's two sides to training. There's two sides to the physical combat training. There's two sides to the life training, but just in general, two sides, right? There's the dragon realm. And there's the tiger realm, okay? In old scrolls, in old scrolls, um, sometimes uh, instead of seeing Hidari and Migi left and right, because that's one way of describing these two uh, physical kind of things, right? You would see uh, the kanji for Sa and Yu, which is just an old way of saying right and left, right? It's just uh, same thing, right? But early on in the training, right, um, there was a huge focus, both on Hatsumisatsu's part, and he never stopped, right? People just kind of like nod in training when he's talking about philosophical things, when he's talking about life things, whatever. They just nod because they're waiting for the trained monkey, right, to do the next technique. Um, and they can get back to martial arts training, right? Um But there was there was a, a heavy focus on being and becoming a lady, a gentleman, right? Living to a certain level, living to a certain standard. And but the, the problem with anything, right? Over time, right? It happened in Buddhism, happened in Christianity, happened name anything, right? It happened with U.S. Constitution, whatever. With more time. And more people in the mix, right, what ends up happening is wherever the masses are gravitating, right, wherever they're moving toward, is going to steer public perception. It's going to steer, it's going to influence things, right? It's also a good indicator of where the warrior should go, which is the road less traveled. Oh, sorry, the other way, right? Everybody's over here, right? the road less traveled, right? You run into less resistance, you know, more freedom to be or and to do what needs to be done, right? Um, and you're going to be less likely to be influenced by groupthink, right? Um, so, but, but that kind of thing happened. And what ended up happening over time was less and less people focusing on the knowledge sides of things, right? Unless they were arguing over what grandmaster said this or what the meaning of this thing is or whatever, right? Um, and the quote unquote spiritual side of the training, right? That life balance and, and the kind of stuff that the upper level of Kuji, right? Even Kuji, all that kind of stuff, right? Just, just became less and less, uh, part and parcel, right? Um, the more people wanted rank, the more rank was handed out. The more people wanted um, soft training, 
more solid. Well, the less people wanted to understand things before they went out there physically knocking around and then threatening to hurt each other, not real, not verbally threatening, just you know, they didn't understand. So therefore, they were getting hurt, other people were getting hurt or whatever, then the natural byproduct of that is because the Japanese didn't want uh, inter international incidents to occur because a foreign national is on a tourist visa in Japan and got injured either by a Japanese national or under the care or guidance, right, of a Japanese national. So lots and lots of things just kept getting changed and watered down, right? But that also affected the way people thought, right? Next thing you know, everybody's thinking, right, in a way that just turned this into, what, a martial arts option among martial arts options. Instead of being the thing that it is supposed to be, right, which is way more than that. There's a martial arts aspect to it. But what about the rest, okay? If we look at the eight gates, if we look at the syllabus for the uh, Nijno Hachimon, yeah, there's a lot of warrior stuff in there that make you powerful in a warfare context. But there's also a bunch of other things in there that make somebody not only powerful but dangerous as well um, if we could just understand what we're looking at, right? One of the things I was taught very early on, um, and th now this is a this is a character trait, right? It was about warriors being decisive, right? Way too many people avoid making decisions. Do you want to do this or do you want to do that? Yeah, it doesn't really matter to me. Whatever you want to do. Well, if that were true, then people wouldn't be bitching and complaining because they really didn't want to do that, but they didn't want to like you know make everybody feel bad or whatever. Okay. Well, look, you choose to do something, you choose to not do something, or you choose to not choose. That's all there is. Right? And no choice is a choice. Right? If I say I don't care what we do, whatever you want to do is fine with me, I really do mean that. Right? Meanwhile, everybody's looking for a hidden agenda. Why are they looking for a hidden agenda? Because most people lie, and they're used to it. So if you tell them one thing, they're waiting for the penny to drop. They're waiting for, you know, the truth to come out. They're waiting for what? Right? People are terrified. I have found that people are terrified to be around someone who knows what they're doing and who speaks the truth. And if that terrifies people, then from that perspective, that makes you dangerous. Okay? The two sides of the training. One, and this is very unbalanced in today's world, one gets lots of attention. The other one gets either no attention from the perspective of the ancient teachings and is either replaced with 
something else that's that's doing okay. It's a it's a reasonable replacement, right? And other ones are not doing anything at all. And trying to make up for the victimhood they're experiencing on one side with the power that they're feeling when they're engaged in martial arts training. Right. So on the tiger side, right, that's where our martial arts skills are. And that's fine. Right? That's for surviving a battlefield, back alley, whatever. Right? Somebody pops a gasket and comes at you with something. Okay? Absolutely necessary. Okay? But since we live in a social structure where you can't punch somebody in the throat for disagreeing with you, contrary to the ideology of a bunch of people who have, who have risen up in the last decade, okay, your words are a tax to me, so I am, I am uh, within my rights to defend myself. Yeah. Um, nice try. Okay. But they're running all over the place. Okay. And being someone who has literally ducked bullets and carried unexploded munitions that had the pins pulled and things like that, right? The stuff that makes people feel powerless in today's world just is beyond my comprehension. Just absolutely beyond my comprehension. And this is coming from somebody where 95% of my life is negotiable. I really, you know, whatever you want to do is okay with me, right? How are we going to do that? Are we going to decorate the house? How are we going to? Great. Cross these lines, both of our lives will change, right? But that's a piece of that that I'm going to carry because I can't, Here's maybe the trigger point. I can't train to become or to unleash the demon of the monster that's going to be necessary to handle other demons and monsters and not have that affect every part of my life. Now, I don't, part of the dragon realm is to choose peace every day. And keep the um, keep the dragon at bay. I'm not sure what's going on on James' side, but I'm going to turn off his little screen there, so we don't have a funky little black rectangle at the bottom. Anyway, so um, but there is lies the need for the dragon side. The dragon side is everyday life, right? And again, going back to that minister's wife, right? How could I possibly enjoy hugging my wife? or my daughter, or my son, whatever, right? As much as I do, and recognize how amazing that is, with a monster inside. So it doesn't compute if we're coming at it from a, this, this dualistic thinking, where it's got to be one or the other, right? But I promise it's possible. Okay. Do I want peace? Absolutely. Right. I want peace so much I would kill to to establish peace. And see, there's another one of those weird. How how can you have both? 
You're willing to kill to promote peace? Yeah, absolutely. Because sometimes offering a flower and speaking nicely isn't going to establish peace. Peace at gunpoint? Okay? Just like I oppose most laws that people with good intent, right? Because the road to hell is paved with good intent, right? Anytime somebody says there ought to be a law, my answer is, yeah, it probably shouldn't, right? Because a law is legislation by gunpoint, right? Most people don't see that, right? I'm offended by those people over there. I think things should be done my way. So I want a law passed so they have to comply and do it my way. People only oppose laws that give somebody else, that, that make you act like everybody else, right? But people often argue and say, well, no, 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 it's a law. Is it? Nobody's forcing you to do anything. Nobody's sticking a gun in your face. Really? What if I don't comply with the law? Well, you know, give you a ticket or the warning or they'll fine you. Yeah, okay, what if I don't listen to that? If I continue to not listen, I promise you that at some point, people with guns will show up and put me in irons and drag me away. So, yes, the outcome of noncompliance to this thing that seems passive, everybody just needs to agree to it. Is force. Anybody that can't see that is delusional. Right? It's the same thing. You know, that's the base of tyranny. Ninja have opposed tyranny since Terror Ninja. Right? Just because it looks good doesn't make it so. Because tyrants kick in, right? Get rid of the opposition, and then everything seems very, very peaceful, right? Yeah, why is it peaceful? Because people are fucking terrified to step out of line. Okay? The Tokugawas, when they took over Japan, right? Yeah, we helped them do it, right? But what it did was it, it got rid of all these skirmishes, right? All these battles for power and all that kind of stuff, right? But there was a hundred-year period of peace, right? Ah, we're missing a word. A hundred years of enforced peace. Right. So, from a warrior standpoint, a warrior has to be dangerous. Has to be a monster. But they also have to keep that in check. Warriors throughout the ages have kept the monster in check through art, poetry, dance, playing musical instruments, all kinds of things to balance that out, right? They make and nurture families, that kind of stuff, right? So there's, there's, there has to be this balance, right? Peacefulness without the ability to roar, and I don't mean roar, I mean like fangs and freaking claws and stuff, right? Not an empty meow, <laughs> right? Okay? 
It's it, that's not that's not being peaceful. That's meek. That's meekness. Huh? And being demonic and being monstrous to get your own way, right? It's psychotic. Right? Psychopaths, sociopaths, narcissistic personality disorders, right? They don't know how to be compassionate and empathetic. They know how to imitate it, and they do it really, really, really well. Really well. Because they're also very high on the IQ scale. Well, a lot of them. But meek people don't know how to be monstrous. I choose peace. No, no. If you don't have the capability to be peaceful or be horrific, it's not a choice. It's a condition. It's what's left over. Just like if, you know, the demon can't choose peace, can simulate it, can bait you in, right? But they're still being horrific, even if they're not opening up your skin. They don't know how to be that other thing. They know how to convince you, right? But, say, I'd rather have a demonic person like that try to convince me that they're peaceful, because at least they're in check for the moment, than for a meek person to try to convince me that they're, they've got a monster inside. Because if I need one to, to cover, to watch my back, to have my back, to stand side to side with me, to stop an even bigger, badder demon, mm, the meek one's not. Mm-mm. No. But how do you know? Hopefully you've been paying attention. Okay. No. All is not lost because we can always train ourselves to be stronger, right? First of all, we need to know what the gap is, right? Are we missing some part of it? And if so, and we don't need to throw ourselves to the wolves. We don't need to throw ourselves onto a battlefield, right? Don't need to know what I do what I did and sign up for the Army when I was 17 years old. Throw myself into a military police uh, role where... Not only was I a soldier and having whatever enemy, you know, that the United States had, that I might have to duck their bullets, but I had a good percentage of my own people, my own supposedly military brothers, right, wanting to beat, break, or kill me. As we used to say, most of the people I've ever arrested, contrary to most the way most police officers are, and I... Definitely respect what they do, right? But contrary to most police officers, a high percentage, we're talking 75, 80% or better of everyone I've ever arrested were trained killers. Not just violent people, right? So, um, you don't have to have 
gone out. You don't have to go out and duck bullets or whatever. But we could start with, oh, here's a dangerous thought. Speaking truth. When someone asks your opinion about something, right? Speak up. Well, I don't want to be upset at me. So what's the worst that will happen? If it's a stranger, you won't have to worry about a conversation with them again. Right? And somebody's going to think you're an asshole. Somebody's going to think you're whatever. They're going to think that regardless. Okay. Excuse me. Um, we can start by speaking truth. The next thing we could do, and this is in our Mikio studies, is to create the experiences that we need to have that put us into positions where we have to speak truth or we have to make a decision or we have to do the things that terrify us. And if you do it, it's do a self-management inventory. It's not always, it's for most people, you know, they're, they're in martial arts because they don't want somebody to take them out of the world or whatever, right? But most people avoid conflict all the way around, right? I want to start an argument. I don't want them to dislike me. I don't want to have to tell them no. I don't, uh, I don't want to make that phone call, right? Um, I don't want to have the conversation. Well, believe it or not, having those things, and doing them over and over again increases your confidence and ability to not only handle those things, but to also globally handle facing conflict. All right? You don't have to start off building the Taj Mahal. You know, the survivors lean to what we used to call a debris shelter. It's a good start. Okay. Let's start there. Right? Let's start with something small and manageable. Right? Um, you know, just it, it's it still boggles my mind how many people want to be the invincible warrior. But they've got more demons than they want that they are afraid of facing on the dragon side, right? On socially, right? In the world, right? Then on the battlefield. I think before we talked about not bringing battlefield skills into society because you'll get locked up or killed, right? And you also don't take the society, uh, social skills like fairness and all that kind of stuff onto, um, the battlefield because that'll get you killed too. But in this case, right? You need to look at the, the warrior needs to be strong and they need to be, he or she needs to be dangerous, formidable, right? Formidable in whatever state they're in, right? In whatever, in whatever realm they're operating in, right? To set out on an endeavor, I want to, I want to do this thing. I want to do this project, right? Whether it's setting up a business or, club or an organization or I want to accomplish this goal or whatever riddled with anxiety and doubt and maybe even the imposter syndrome right other people know more than me I don't know enough or whatever right um, is a recipe for mediocrity at best 
which means a constant lateral struggle where nothing grows, right? Or a recipe for disaster, which is which means you're going to fail, you're going to give up, and then you're going to be resentful and whatever for the rest of your life. Okay. Here's again, I keep going back to what I was taught and I had to come to realize. And when I say back when I was taught, I mean, I was still a white belt. Like I got inundated with these lessons as a white belt, right? The, the ideal of what it means to be a warrior and all that kind of stuff, which again, I don't know how much is being taught anymore, right? The ideal, right? Not just learning this or that technique or where does this technique go on what scroll in what lineage or what. I mean, come on, right? People are getting lost within the puzzle pieces. They don't even know what the fucking puzzle pieces that they're looking at belong to the puzzle they're trying to put together or belong in some other box. And But they're getting all like weirded out about, <gasps> okay, how about what are we aiming for? And how does this fit into that context? Right? I mean, you have to see these people, right? They have they have the goal, the dream, or the fantasy and delusion of being the invincible warrior, but they just talk smack, right? They're uber defensive, like the jack wagon that threatened me online, right? With a with an online YouTube handle of snot booger. At least I think that's what he means because he spelled it bugger. I don't know what the hell a snot bugger is. But either way, right, I'm supposed to take that guy seriously, right? But there's this uber defensiveness or this this lack, right? So we're going we're gonna to talk the talk, and we're going to do some practice and develop some mediocre skills. But when it comes right down to it, are we willing to open up some skin and yank some wires out? Right? I'm not saying that's how we have to live our life, right? But people have this, this, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, somebody comes with me and my family, I'm going to do that. But you can't open your mouth to speak the truth because you don't want honey or whoever else to be angry at you for speaking the truth. Holy shit. So what line are you protecting? Or is there no line in the sand and everything is subjective and we've been convinced by society that you just don't rock the boat? Well, shit, sometimes you need to rock the boat because the bad guy that's standing on the boat coming at you has a freaking blade. And if I don't rock the boat, I can't get him out of the ship. I can't get him out of the boat. Sometimes you rock the boat or you shake the tree or whatever to get the ones who are not productive, to get the rotten ones and all that not be around anymore. Otherwise, they'll poison the whole freaking tree, right? Or they'll hack and slash until the boat's chopped up too. Right? The reality is that warriors exist because as distasteful as war is, as distasteful as challenges, as distasteful as a conflict is, somebody's got to do it. Because most won't. And I, for one, have chosen to be one that's willing to do it. I didn't set out to do this. 
I set out to be the opposite of the monster that was raising me. And here on the other side of it, shit. I have a lot of character traits that are very similar to his. What's different? My moral and ethical compass and my intent as to when I'm going to use it or the intention behind the use of those things. You don't duck bullets. You don't watch things blow up. You don't you don't carry shit that's going to blow up if you hit another pothole in the road or whatever without having something change. You don't speak up and speak truth and draw lines in the sand and hold your ground without something changing. One of, the, one of my favorite quotes, uh, one, of my, one of my teachers way back in the day wrote a, wrote a book. It was just a bunch of poems that he had written, right? Um, it's called uh, Wisdom from the Ninja Village of the Cold Moon. If you could find it, I highly recommend it. But anyway, I'm probably going to butcher this a little bit, but one of, the, uh, one of the parts of one of the poems is... Uh, our ability, right, skill-wise, ability and willingness to battle the demons of ignorance and hatred. Ignorance and hatred can cause physical violence, but ignorance and hatred, ignorance and hatred is calling, causing more psychological, emotional, and spiritual damage to people than blades ever could. Because, you know, if we don't have to look at the wounds, could they be as bad? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, James, are you still on? James had disappeared, then he came back, and what's going on? Anyway, are you there? I'm still here. I just don't have video at the moment. Okay, that's all right. Um, well, if you don't have video, can you not see if questions or whatever came in? I can still see them, yes. Okay, all right. Fair enough. In that case, you will be the Dark Knight. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, questions, comments? Uh, Lee's throwing a couple comments in here. Awesome. Uh, first Lee is my wisdom it. warrior. What's that? First one is if I remember well, one year's theme was what caliber of person you were. Mm. One year's theme, as in like in the Bujangan? Didn't say. That's what I took it as. That's what I took it as, yeah. So I don't remember that one, but uh, I mean. He says yes. Okay, just as a standout item. Um, but, yeah, I mean, how many themes have we had where it was like the Budo of elegance or, you know, those kind of things, right? What, what the hell is that, right? But a lot of the lessons during those years had to do with, you know, focusing on the art side of things as opposed to, you know, the 
the, the technique or whatever, right? Um, I remember very, very early on, um, teachers making reference to how quickly people throw around the term martial artist. Of course, they were also talking about how easily the words warriors and warrior wisdom and enlightenment are thrown around as well, right? Enlighten me on that. No, I'll educate you on it or I'll share my, my take on my research with you, but enlightening, no, I can't enlighten you, right? It becomes bullshit, right? Um, but they discussed this process, right? And so the first goal, the first activity, the first stage of the training was to become a martial scientist. Now, does that mean? Well, think about the things that we're learning, right? You can learn step-by-step techniques, but the techniques rely on science, physiology, anatomy, uh, gravity, inertia, leverage, right? So understanding how they worked, right? Understanding what it was that you were doing to a human body to make it so this person couldn't get at you, right? I mean, if you were just going to be Joe Cool Thug, just pull caveman on him and hit him in the head with a bat, right? Or shoot him and put a couple of holes in him. Doesn't make you a martial artist, right? But the idea was the term artist and thinking about what makes someone an artist, right? Because in the art world, someone is considered to be an art student before they're seen as an artist. Now, I know there's certain realms where you can throw paint all over a canvas in whatever haphazard way and then throw some interpretation onto it. And the better you can make that sound, the higher the check you get when you sell it, whatever. Okay. But there's this art student, right? And so, you know, they're learning not just how to paint. Any monkey can paint, stick your hand in the freaking bucket, smear it on something. Technically, you have painted, right? We used to call that finger painting, right? Great, right? But and same thing with drawing and all that kind of stuff, right? If we're not careful, what we're going to do is nurture ourselves, which is the worst possible thing, right? Or nurture others because we're going to tell them that that scribble to us looks like a fine piece of art. Now, will I tell my three-year-old grandson that? Absolutely. Why? Because he's still working on motor coordination and stuff like that, and he made a gift for Grandpa. He didn't make a Picasso. Timmy made a bunch of colors, and I made this for you. This is awesome. Thank you. Okay? But we're not going to get into an art critique about it. Okay? But what we do, what the, the, the artist, right, and the house painter could be using the same paint. Could, they're using brushes as well, right? But how many times have you called a 
a house painter, an artist. Right? We all know there's some kind of thing that's going on that may, oh, wow, you created a picture. Wow, that's awesome. Right? Okay? Hey, look at that. You painted all the wood slats on my house and didn't miss a spot. Right? Somehow it's just not the same. And I'm not willing to say it is. Okay? But somebody who's art school, they learn about different mediums. Okay? So paint, great. Paint is paint, right? No. Oil paint actually goes on differently than watercolors. Goes on differently than acrylics. Goes on differently than latex. There's also the brushes or the thing that you're using to transfer the paint or to apply the paint, right? And each one of these things, because of the way it's made, right? There's brushes that have uh, synthetic or polymer uh, bristles. There's some that are made out of uh, horse hair. There's some that you get the idea, right? And each one of those things and the shape of it and the thickness of it and things like that are going to apply that paint, different types of paint, differently. They're going to, it's going to transfer it differently to the surface, right? But then you also have the canvas. So the brush and paint type combination is still going to look different depending on whether it gets applied to a painter's canvas. Sometimes you just throw whatever you call a canvas, but conventional canvas, right? Paper, cardboard, brick, drywall, whatever. Okay? This is what they're learning. Then they're learning shapes and proportions and right where, how do the ears line up relative to the eyes and eye set, and things like that, if they're doing human bodies and faces and things like that, right? So there's a lot, right? And they keep working on that and working on that. And what happens is they get so good that they can start to kind of take shortcuts. Like uh, there was a guy named Bob Ross, right? He's long since dead, but people think he's still alive because he's still selling his stuff. It's because he sold out to partners that stole his name. Anyway, which is why I don't buy Bob, Bob Ross stuff anymore. Uh, but anyway. Um, he had learned from this other guy, I think he was a German painter, right? Came up with the mighty brush method, right? We would take a freaking house painting brush, dip it in paint, and pound it on a canvas. Next thing you know, you have a freaking pine tree. Holy shit. Really? Fantastic, right? Uh, mountains and whatever, right? With nothing but this freaking big-ass house painting brush, right? Um, so... So now you're like expanding out and creating things like, uh, you know, well, that, that brush with that paint, no, that, that doesn't apply well. Well, not for the art student because the art student's looking for smooth strokes or whatever, but look what this does because they've experimented. They've played around with it, right? So now, right, same rules, a little bit more personal expression, right? Uh, expanding our study outside of the quote-unquote official school of training, right? And then 
you end up with people like my friend, um, well, I don't even know if he still remembers me, right? We trained 20, 30 years ago, Greg Manchess. He's an international artist, right? He's done stuff for uh, National Geographic and on all those things, right? Um, the uh, front covers of the ninja books that were published by O'Hara, by Stephen Hayes, before it became the complete ninja, that big old block thing now, right? All those covers, right? There was a, the original covers were these monotone things with like a silhouette of a ninja in some context, right? Well, Greg repainted all those things, right? That was him that did all these things, right? Well, I mean, you know, he's scratching on a canvas with the back end of a paintbrush. Holy shit, try that in art school. Instructors would be all over you, right? Never, ever, ever, right? You never let the spatula touch the canvas because you're going to put a hole in it or you're going to scrape it or whatever, right? And here he is doing all these things that seem to break the rules, but he's doing it to get the result he needs, right? That's an artist, right? Hatsumi Sensei, master teachers that seem to just defy gravity, defy what, I mean, you look at it and you can't even figure out how you got from point A to point B, right? Or it looks so super simple, then you go to try to do it and holy shit, right? So um, there's this, again, you know, everybody wants to be a martial artist, okay? But a warrior is so much more than that. A martial artist, they think about things a certain way, right? I study martial arts so I can do this for enjoyment, for self-defense, for whatever. That's all great, right? But that's a certain part of your personality, a certain part of your life, right? Meanwhile, back at the ranch, we do this this way and that that way or whatever, right? But to a warrior, there's a, there's a level of consistency. Right. That there's always a way that I carry myself. Not just me. Right. I'm speaking third person as a warrior. Okay. It's always right. There's a, there's an ethical base. There's a moral base. There's a code. Right. Right. This is the way things get done. Conflict arises in a relationship and a business partnership and a in a teacher student relation, whatever, right? No, no, no. They don't get handled differently. I mean, they get handled differently because of context, right? But right? I was once told, well, actually, a marriage counselor <laughs> was once told by a former spouse that uh, I terrified her, that she didn't feel safe around me. And besides my eyebrows going up and my eyes opening, because I never touched her outside of relationship things, if you know what I'm saying, right? Um, his eyes went up. Oh, my God, are you, are you being abused? No, 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 no. That's not what I mean. And then she explained herself. And the explanation went something like this. I have never been with anybody or around anyone in my life who was as consistent as he is. 
that if he says he's going to do something or if he says he believes in something or whatever, that's exactly what he means. I'm used to people, and the counselor cut her off and said, you're used to people that lie and manipulate and bend things so that everybody's happy, everybody's okay. And she said, yeah. He said, so he's acting in a way that is actually should be pretty confident inspiring because you always know where he stands. And she said, yes, but that also means that I can't. And then she stopped and he smiled and he said, you can't manipulate, you can't twist, you can't convince him to do something that he doesn't believe is the right thing to do. Yes. That's pretty scary, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Can you imagine if I was still in the military, or can you imagine a soldier or whatever, right? Well, it happens. Follow an unlawful order, follow something that, you know, just wrong. But, you know, I can always say that I was ordered to do it. Right? We went out that village. Right? Had no reason other than that they wore a certain type of clothing or they whatever. You have any find any weapons? No. You have any suspicion or inclination? No. Why'd you do it? I was ordered to. Hmm. Guess you're going to jail or getting hung too. Anyway, so um, if you'd like to carry this farther, and if you can find it, hopefully it's still available in some form. You may have to look in used bookstores and whatnot. Sorry, the dog is stirring. What are you doing, mate? Okay. Anyway, um, yes, I'm here. Um, so, uh, if you can find Jack Hoban's book, Ninpo, Living and Thinking as a Warrior, I highly recommend that you read it. Um, if you can find Bud Malmstrom's book, now it's going to be, the, the name is going to be Carrie, in quotes, Bud Malmstrom, because his birth given name was Carrie didn't like it, which is why he tells everybody to call him Bud, right? It's simply called Warriorship. Those two books, if you want to know how warriors think, right, if you want a good basis for decision-making and these kind of things, from somebody that, right, not just somebody that I look up to, but somebody that, if it's necessary, you would take more seriously than me, I recommend those two. Um, I don't think in either one of those. Jim Poe Living and Thinking as a Warrior may have some sign techniques in it, but the Bud Malmstrom book does not have any martial techniques. It is simply martial philosophy. But it's not the woo-woo version of warrior philosophy. And if you have read one or both of those books before, I highly recommend that you go back and read them again 
but instead of reading them because of being a fan, being a student, whatever, but from the perspective of I want to be somebody that one other other people can rely on in everyday life and when the chips are down, right? But I also want to accomplish things that are going to require skill sets and perspectives and balls that stop most that without them stop most people right we need to stop looking at things from the like here's the puzzle piece i'm looking around for where that goes right but what if we started off oh like most jigsaw puzzles right there's a picture on the damn box here's what it's supposed to look like we start off with the definition of what it takes to be a warrior or what it means to be a warrior, right? Whether it was whether it was formulated in the 1800s and not during the days of the samurai or whatever, right? The seven, I think, seven tenets of a, of a samurai, whatever, right? Okay, looking, looking down through these things, right? Okay. And do an assessment. Which ones? Which ones do I have? Which ones do I need to work on, right? Which ones? Hmm, depends on the moment so it's kind of negotiable right start with that probably be easier to find where the puzzle piece goes or if you're missing any pieces it's amazing how many people start off wanting to do things anything right these probably had students that have signed up to do uh, his brand of you know, woodcraft or uh, he's done some other things too that was like a, I think it was a men's group and, and whatever, right? They start off best of intentions, right? They want to do it. But they drop off very, very quickly because, well, it becomes inconvenient. Oh, that's too tough. I really don't. Can we, can we, can I get to the next level without having to do this thing or these things or, well, that sounds kind of mean. Right? Do I have to do that? Right. Meek people don't want to be around warriors because there's a monster in there. But meek people can't stand on the street corner yelling a bunch of bullshit without the strong ones being around to make sure that You've got the right to do that. Have at it. Okay? They want you to nod in agreement and not look at them and go, look, dude, you have the right to say whatever you want. I don't have to buy into it. But have at it. Okay? And you're not going to get any backlash from me unless you try to get a law passed that says that I have to drink the same Kool-Aid. In which case, now we have a problem. So anyway, um, not sure if this is where people thought this one was going to go, but that's where it went. Anyway, yo, Dark Knight, you still there? I am. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell happened? 
Uh, in your camera? No, my uh, I'm on a hotspot and it ran out, so it turned oh, me really hard. Oh, okay. That's right. You, James had a little life change. And uh, when does the when does the internet people come? Next week. Next week. All right. Well, shit. All right. Well, as long as you're the Dark Knight. Any questions or comments from anybody? Uh, we got another one he put out there. I once thought I shouldn't have a relationship because I was in the Navy. Now I understand how valuable it is to preserve the good in the world and to stay in touch with that good while remembering why we are in the military. Holding our loved ones drives me to train more these days. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Takamatsu say um, he he had a couple of really good, (laughs) really good punch-in-the-face one-liners. Like, you know, nobody wants to be standing out in, you know, tall, dew-drenched grass and bare feet or sandals or whatever, right, Um, doing sword training at 6 a.m. when everybody else in the freaking village or town or whatever is spooning with their honey, still sleeping. But somebody's got to do it. The other one that's one of my favorites from him is, unless you have something significant to lose. Now, this points to building a life of significance, of value, right? Being valuable, right? Being influential. Right. There's a whole other side of power to this. Right. Unless you have something significant to lose, you can never understand what it means to be a warrior. Fighters, people with a chip on the shoulder, ego based guys, the shithead that put the little comment that he was going to come and kick my ass if I didn't shut up and stop talking. <laughs> How difficult is it to stop following my YouTube channel? <laughs> what an ass. Anyway. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to laugh uncontrollably here in a minute, right? Um, He's never going to understand what it means to be a warrior, no matter how much he thinks he is. He has nothing to lose. And if he does, why the hell would you act in a way that would risk that at, at like, you know, I'm, because I've been there, I'm not the guy to 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 want to go rushing off to war these people on both sides of the political divide that have problems with each other and they both want to take up arms and all that is not that is not a line you want to cross it's not a it's it's not if it happens i'm going to protect mine probably protect yours as well as a matter of fact i um, my wife was looking this, for this for a while. She felt so bad because I bought her this hat. And uh, I checked with her before I bought it because I wanted to make sure she wouldn't be, like, offended by it or whatever. And I should have known better because she wouldn't. She wasn't. But um, I bought it at the same time I bought this really cool, like, military police ball cap that I bought for myself, right? But I saw this hat. I just, I like, that was perfect, right? And it says, my husband risked his life. To protect strangers, imagine what he'll do to protect me. Thought that was brilliant. Right? So, right? 
Um, but again, I didn't start out this way. Started out, started out as a terrified kid just trying to make it to 18 so I didn't have to live there anymore. And then I went into, a, went into an occupation that put me, a dual occupation because I was in the military and law enforcement at the same time, right? That put me in shit that I thought home life was bad. Holy crap, these people are fucking insane, right? And dangerous, which is a bad combination, right? Um, but I do feel extremely, extremely lucky, grateful, a whole bunch of other words, right? That I found the teachers that I did in this art because they taught me that both were possible, both sides were possible, right? To be invincible, to be the invincible warrior is not to be bulletproof. It's not to be, you know, the silverback that, you know, anybody take it. And they're going to age and die anyway, right? It's to have abilities in all kinds of realms. And to be somebody that, you know, for lack of a better word, is dangerous, but not, not like an overt threat and not dangerous like if you don't go along with what I believe to be true or what I want to happen or whatever, I'm going to kill you. Not, not the tyrant, right? They're just, they're scary to most people because they're not easily manipulated. They're not, they're not a pushover, right? They're partially disagreeable, right? Um, they're there to make sure that people are safe and happy and whatnot, but they're there to make sure that the right people are safe and happy, and that's not the abusers. But they have a clear, a clear purpose. They have a clear vision. They have, they know what they stand for, right? They're people of integrity. The number of times that I've been referred to in Japan as a stand-up guy, right? Which is the Japanese translation of somebody who's in, just a person of integrity, right? I've, I've slid in many people's classes uh, when it comes to crossing the line on soft training, right? Do something with a Japanese student or whatever, and next thing you know, they're doing it to me, but, the, you know, they look over at the teacher. The teacher, you know, whether it's Tri-Sensei or whatever, will look at them and say, uh, in Japanese, right? He's a police officer. His training has to be right. And they'll go, oh, is it okay? If, of course it's okay, right? Next thing you know, they're thanking me and all kinds of stuff because, see, five minutes ago, 30 minutes ago, depending on what our training time was, right, they were being the diligent, respectful, disciplined student going through the motions of learning and participating in a martial arts class. Now they get a chance to whip it on somebody and understand how it works and why it works and why it's a good idea to do soft training sometimes. Anyway, all right. Um, anything else? Questions, comments, complaints? No, Lee said no questions, lots of training directions. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, don't forget. 
Tacomi Osai, 2023 is coming up, January 6th through the 8th. Right? If you're not signed up, I'm confused. Right? So, um, getting training is no easier than getting anything else we want once it's at my stream code. Right? Um, think about it. Okay? Are we going to talk about it or are we going to do it? Are we going to wish we had it or were, or are we going to theorize about it, or are we going to do it? Huh? Besides that, how else are you going to make sure you're doing it right or get the next steps or be exposed to things that you don't even know exist if you don't get with somebody that can actually help you do that? And besides that, we have live and virtual. So... Was it, was it last camp that Jeffrey Fletcher was on for the entire 15 or 18 hours or whatever? I mean, it wasn't straight. We let him sleep. Yes. But, yeah, he was on virtual, right? He was the west coast, northwest coast of the United States. So um, he was on, I think, all five sessions, right? So anyway, but here's Nijina Uge for you, influence. Ultimately, it's up to you. So you can't make people feel like they don't have any control. So there you go. Uh, and this is I'm not just speaking to the people that are live. I'm talking to anybody that's actually um, had the patience, desire, guts or whatever to listen to more than the first 19 fucking seconds of this podcast as a recording. Regardless of whether we you're you have the whole what almost two hours. Or you only have a eight or 10 or 15 minute chunk or whatever that we broke it down to make it easier. Right? Because, you know, easy is going to produce warriorship. Just saying. Right? Convenience is going to create warriorship. Just saying. Okay? Everybody wants quick and easy. If it produces the end result that I fantasize about, oh, man, that'd be a bonus. But most people really don't want the outcome. Or they, they want the outcome, but they don't want to go through the process. Okay. And that's it. So, James, thank you very much for helping. I appreciate it. Uh, everybody else? You know the next steps, right? Take one. Okay. Um, check for upcoming uh, videos and, and lessons that I have out. Uh, we have Whiteboard Wednesday coming up on, well, this Wednesday, right? The 19th, October 19th, if, if you're on live. Um, and the topic for that one is, oh, we're going to go around the mandala. We're going to take a look at four primary. might talk about a fifth one, but he's different, right? Uh, for primary attacker types, right? Because we need to stop looking at our techniques in a bubble and get the hell out of beginner mode. I mean, if you're still just learning a new technique, learn the new technique, but if you've been around for a while and it takes you more than three to five repetitions, you know, to get the moves down, then you're not where you think you are. Shouldn't take you more than three. And this is not, these are not my words. These are Nagata Sensei's words one year. Okay. Three to five times max. 
to understand what's going on in that technique so that you can move from the shoe phase to the ha phase and start exploring what's really going on, the life, the breath, all that of the fight. So we're going to look at four different attacker types, and we're going to look at what the mandala shows as the solution, the self-defense solution, the tactical, strategic answer to any given one. It's not one answer, right? There's four attacker types, four tactics, four strategic uh, approaches, right? There's a best one. Of course, there's a backup or two for each one, but we're going to look at those. And then this week's uh, Friday virtual class, uh, we're going to be doing just that. We're going to be taking a look at um, here's different attacker types, and then here's here's what fits. Okay. So um, again, you know, once you look at it, you might go, well, duh. Um, but sometimes, you know, it just helps if we point things out, right? So, but instead of looking at Defend, how do we defend against a straight punch? How do we defend against this? What's the name of this kata or whatever? We're going to approach it from the problem solution paradigm that self-protection really is. The problem isn't just this guy's punching you. It's how he's punching you, his size, his intent, his personality type, which you don't need to know. We don't need to do a personality assessment or whatever. We can read a lot into somebody, right? And again, here's something else that makes you dangerous. You know a couple of these pieces about somebody. You can know their occupation, what they went to school for, and a couple of other little pieces, and know a whole lot more about them, which, again, makes you dangerous because nobody wants you to know that much about them, when the truth is they don't want you to know more about them than they know about them. It is what it is, right? All right. So uh, hopefully I'll see you on some of those things. And if not, no harm, no foul. If nothing else, I'll see you next week on Kuden. Get more of Kuden Radio. Subscribe through your favorite podcasting site or join our clan of serious modern warriors at OnlineNinjaAcademy.com.